going to be concluding our good, the bad, the ugly this week. And one of the things I want us to take away from this series that I think is so important, so often all we see is the bad and the ugly, right? Isn't that true? So often in life, the only things we focus on and we remember are the bad and the ugly. It's very difficult sometimes to focus on that first word, the good. And, and I've been through some troubling times over the last couple of weeks, especially I shared with you guys last week with Aiden's accident that happened. Um, guys, I'm going to tell you what. I, I saw just the bad and the ugly in that moment initially. My son took a piece of metal to the face is what happened. Some of you that were not here, it was a mowing accident where a, a, a marker hit his face and, and sliced down like this and then inserted into his cheek. And he sat there for hours in the ER, patient, calm, not complaining one single bit, focusing on the good. Another person that has communicated so much to me in my life in this series is Mr. Aiden Myers because how he responded to the bad and ugly. And it challenged me. It challenged me. And will I declare the goodness of God in all things? God's good. He does not change his status or stature from good to bad. God is good. And I wanted us to end this series with what I think is so very important, talking about the goodness of God. We're going to go to, to the 107th Psalm, and I'm going to read to you verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to get into some conversation about some folks and how they respond to the things of life. And we will, I guarantee, find ourselves in this situation at some place along the way. And then all we have when life hits us, when life comes at us, is what? Our response. And my goal is for us as a people and as a church to respond that God is good. And some of you I know have been through some very difficult times in this last year. And you are fighting through tears to say, God is good. You fought through the reality that things have been bad and downright ugly, but you've said, God is good. And our goal today is to leave this conversation, but to leave this series of conversations that we have, because tragedy will strike, difficulty will come, with the understanding that our Heavenly Father is good. Okay? So the 107th Psalm, verses 1 through 3 we see something. This is an unknown author. It says unknown. We don't know who it is. But the thing is, it is written to everybody for all time. A lot of the, the, the literature then was written to the people of Israel, God's chosen people. But this is a timeless psalm that is written to us even today for all people of all time. And it goes like this. And you may have heard this before. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love is endures forever, lasts for all generations. That's why we see this timeless message here today. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. We all have experienced foes within our lives. Those he gathered from the lands, from the east and the west, from the north and the south, from all ends of the earth, sitting in this building today, all of us from all different places, we are the redeemed 
of the Lord. We give thanks to him. So when we look at this 107th Psalm, we see that God has a desire for our lives, that we have an attitude of gratitude, a life that is filled with thanks. And the question I have for you is if you were to never use words, just let's start with that. What does your life say? Do people look in from the outside and say, man, that is, wow, I just watched what they went through and they are expressing an overwhelming sense of gratitude to God for the hardest situation I've ever seen somebody go through in my life. See, we ask that question at when these things come, okay? When these things come, what do people see? How do they see your response? Do they see you as the redeemed of the Lord? Or do they see you as someone who has come up under this, the, the most worst situation and circumstance in their life and they have crumbled? So we see a few different people here that we're going to look at today. Four different types. There's the wanderers, the prisoners, Right? Those that are struggling, uh, and this is, this is important for us to think about, the prisoners, those that are, are the foolish rebel, and I love that term, and the last one are those that are the storm-tossed. So what we're going to do is we're going to start, and I'm going to read along the way and explain what these folks look like and what they've gone through. I think it's important for us to hear today. The wanderers are the first ones that we look at. That are, that's those that are looking for satisfaction. We do that in life, don't we? We look for satisfaction. What's satisfying to you? Maybe it's getting some new clothes. For me, maybe it's just like sitting down at Barnes & Noble with a magazine that I like a lot with some coffee with me and just things are calm. What's satisfying to you? You know, when you think about this, we go on the journey of life looking for satisfaction. So let's read Psalm 107, 4 through 5. Some wandered into the desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. We can see that with the example of the people of Israel, how they wandered in those desert places. But when you think about yourself, how often do you find yourself in a desert place because you were looking for satisfaction? You were looking for fulfillment. You were looking to even feel have you noticed that sometimes you've been so numb in life because life has been so overwhelming that you just want to feel anything? So maybe you pick up a bottle or maybe you look at something you shouldn't look at online or maybe you engage in a relationship that you shouldn't or maybe you take a new job just for the, 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 the financial side of it because you're looking for satisfaction. It's what we do. It's a human condition only to find ourselves hungry, thirsty, and exhausted. Hungry, thirsty, but and exhausted. Trying so hard to find satisfaction, but not finding anything but hunger, thirst, and sheer exhaustion. What does it mean to satisfy? To have enough, to be filled and have plenty. So do you find yourself in a place like that sometimes? Have you found yourself? I can totally look back in my life and see myself in every single one of these things we're going to talk about with different phases and situations of my life. What do you do when you find yourself in these places? Hungry, thirsty, exhausted, a desert wasteland. We see Psalm 107, 6 through 7, right? We see this, how they responded. And this is the key, guys. It's all about response when things happen. And we'll see this as a blueprint for each set of folks that we're going to talk about. When they found themselves in that place, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And listen, he delivered them from their distress. 
he led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Is that typically our first response to cry out to God? Our typical response is, well, I will look for satisfaction somewhere else then. I will try to do things differently. I'll reinvent myself. I'll, <laughs> right? I'm going to go to school and be a computer programmer because this is failing in my life. You know what I mean by this? I will reinvent myself today. Today is the day of Justin. You know what I mean? Because everything that I've tried before hasn't worked and I'm not satisfied. And you find yourself tired, exhausted, weary, out in the woods all by yourself talking to the trees, a wasteland of sorts. And all God wants you to do is to cry out to him. Talk to him. The only one that holds true satisfaction in his hands for your life. Because when you cry out to him, he will deliver you from your distress. Psalm 107, 8 through 9. This is what will happen when we cry out to him. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies. I love that. He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Fills the hungry with God things. And I think that's so important. Sometimes we don't even know what we're hungry and thirsty for, but he does. Cry out to the one who created you. The one who can fill you, sustain you, and satisfy you. So listen to this, the takeaway from that one. Satisfaction and fulfillment are found through submission to God. Satisfaction and fulfillment are found through submission to God. When you submit, he will satisfy. That's what he's waiting for. Someone to completely, as you look for him. Can you already find yourself at some place in your life where you lack submission as you look for satisfaction? I have many times over. And I would try to do something to create it, but it's only found in him. The second are the prisoners. Those who are bound because of rebellion. And this is scripture, guys. This is, you know, I, the Lord dropped the beginning of this psalm in my heart. And I was like, yes, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. This is going to be exciting. This is going to be positive. We're going to end on a high note. And then all of a sudden it gets real. And then I got to process it because I got to process all the word for y'all. I can't give you some of it. I got to put it in context so it makes sense. Otherwise, I'm just proof texting what I really want to say, and that's not good. That's not how you do it. We've got to rightly divide this thing. And we see the prisoners, those who are bound because of rebellion. Psalm 107, 10 through 12. Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness. Prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them, this is some hard stuff here to, to digest. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Let's unpackage this for a second. We look at a prisoner as one who ends up utter darkness, right? Deepest gloom and suffering. And you're like, man, this is so encouraging. But the question that stands is how did they get to this place? How did they get to this place? And how have you gotten to that place from time to time? How did I get to that place when I was in Christian college 
studying for a degree in ministry when I was imprisoned on my own doing because of my rebellious decisions that I made. I tried to find satisfaction once again in alcohol as I did when I was younger. At Christian college, y'all, studying for ministry through improper relationships, I tried to find satisfaction. God's like, dude, are you stupid? What are you doing? What is it? Is it? How is that? Is this fun? Is it good yet? Having a good time? Feeling fulfilled? Excited for you, dummy. God had said things all along to me to try to correct me, but I had a rebellious spirit. His Holy Spirit would be like, yo, bro, tighten this up. You're studying for ministry. Live a life. This is my verse, man. Live a life worthy of your calling. Live a life worthy of your calling, Ephesians 4. When do it. You got to live that life. Why are you rebelling against God's commands, his desires for your life, his plan? What happened to me? <laughs> Sounds like a Chris Farley. Ended up in the van down by the river. And if you haven't seen that yet, you got to go back. He's a motivational speaker. All right. Anybody know that? Please tell me you know that. Yes. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I ended up on a twin-sized mattress behind a couch in somebody's apartment. Living out of a bed. Where did that get you, rebellious one? Like living out of a bag. Living out of a bag. No rivers around. I couldn't even fish. You know, it was terrible. Prisoner. Let me, okay. One who is bound, tied, captured, and imprisoned. Okay? I love to define things because it just helps me to get my mind around it. Why would God allow this to happen to his people? Anybody think that ever? Why, God, why did you allow this to happen? Why did you allow me to end up in a van down by, no, in a, in, on a twin-size bed behind a, a couch in, a, in, in an apartment, living out of a bag? Man, why, God? Listen how good he is. Because the only hell that God wants you to experience is the hell that we experience on earth. Hold on. What do you mean? It's not God's desire that any should perish, but that all should have eternal, everlasting life with him. And God's desire is that you, his creation, he didn't create hell for us. Think about this, y'all. He didn't. Demon, devils, them. Will we go there if we don't choose Christ as our Savior? Yeah, because that's your decision. Why would God allow me to be on a twin-sized bed? You know what I'm saying. Because God does not want me to experience hell there. The only hell he wants me to experience and learn from is the hell here. My rebellion put me in that place. But I have a secure relationship, secure enough with my Father in heaven to realize you loved me so much that you gave me a twin-size bed behind a couch in an apartment renting from a friend. You loved me that much that you did that because you didn't want me to perish in this. No, no, no. You just wanted me to learn from this. My own prison that I made. If we experience it here, we don't have to experience it there. For me, it was that time, Psalm 107, 13 through 14, that I had to learn to cry out to the Lord. 
And I love to tell you and, I, and, and that it was easy and it was great and it was just hunky-dory. But you know what? It wasn't. But God sent me someone, the best person I've ever met in my life outside of my family and the Lord kind of thing, Miss Kara Myers, that helped in the redemption process for me. Helped for me to be redeemed and see the goodness of the Lord in the midst of a situation. I cried out, he brought me out of darkness, utter darkness, and broke away the chains. And I love that. He broke away the chains of my past that had me bound so that I wouldn't have to be bound in the future going forward. He sent me people to help me along the way who would end up being my wife, mother to our children, and the best pastor's wife in, yes, in the world um, that has helped do so many great things in ministry together. Because I cried out. And I still have to cry out because I'm so stupid. We'll get to that more in just a minute. My stupidity in scripture. Let them give thanks to the Lord. Is there, is there something going here that's kind of systematic? Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Why? Because he breaks down gates of bronze, the strongest materials that could be depicted in literature at this time and understood. Gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. The reality is this, guys. Mercy and grace. Listen, mercy and grace become the reality through humility and repentance. You want to get out of prison? Humble yourself and repent. And what will his love do? His loving kindness will cut through those iron bars and will knock down those bronze gates that have you separated from the life that he has for you. When you are humbled and repent, you receive his mercy and grace. Third thing is this, and this is where... I even found myself at times as well, the foolish rebel. Anybody called a rebel before? You ever been called a rebel? You're such a rebel. You're such a rebel. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's normally guys because we just be a rebel. With no cause whatsoever. <laughs> good, good luck with that. We look at this foolish rebel, which are those afflicted because of their foolish rebellion. And there's a difference here. See, sometimes we can learn. We can learn in the midst of our rebellion as we cry out and we can receive his grace and mercy as we humble ourselves and repent. But sometimes we fail to listen. Some become fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. Because of their sin, it literally played out in their bodies and their lives. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. I have never been at a place, I'm telling y'all, I will force myself. If I'm sick, I need to eat something. It's in my mind. Anybody else like that? I love eating. It is, mmm, mmm. You're like, yeah, you better hurry up, bro. I'm hungry now. <laughs> but even food. And I think about this when I think about what we encounter when we walk out these doors. There are some amazing folks that I know that I talk to weekly on the streets that represent Morgantown. And I've watched that the decisions, and that's what it is. The rebellious fool is one who is choosing to habitually decide to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Deciding to do it. And I've seen their bodies deteriorate. I've seen sickness upon them. I've seen because of their decisions. And we look at that with alcoholism. We look at that with drug abuse. We look at that with promiscuity. 
We look at that with all of these things and how that can play out in your body. It can kill you, literally. It can literally kill you. STDs aren't the same as they used to be. Huh, you'll die. Quick, nasty death. Alcohol, drugs now are not the same as they used to be. If you're like, you got some pot? Good, it's going to be a fun day. You got it now? What's it laced with? You might be dead tomorrow. I'm telling you guys. And sometimes because of our foolish rebellion, unrepentant, foolish rebellion, not being humble, and our rebellion, we end up with bodily harm. The devil wants to kill you. He really does. He wants to take you out. He wants you to focus nonstop on the bad and ugly and not see the goodness of the Lord in the midst of situations because if he can take you out, he's taken out your witness. He's taken out your ability to share the good news message of Jesus Christ. As I've talked to folks on the street throughout the weeks from time to time, honest that they just want something to drink. I said, you want some water? No, no, I want some liquor. I'm like, how's that been treating you? Look at your body. Scars on your face from falling and fights you've been in. And See, what's, what's, what's so amazing about this is at any point in time, at any point in time, as they become fools through their rebellious ways and suffered the affliction, when they cry out to the Lord, when I have cried out to the Lord, when we cry out to the Lord in their trouble, he will still save you in your distress. You got to hear that more than all the other stuff. We know about the other stuff, but this is what we have to know about in our lives, that in the midst of our afflictions, all that we've brought upon ourselves and chosen to bring upon ourselves, when we cry out, what will he do? He will send his word and heal you. He will send his word and rescue you from that grave. Jesus has come, the word in flesh, to save you from all that. He is the greatest do-over king in the world. At any point in time, you cry out and mean it with a humble, repentant heart. He's there. He's there to bring you back, to rescue you from that grave, to take you from a rebellious spirit, a foolish, foolish rebel, to someone who is a part of his kingdom again. And we hear this again. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. Listen, this is so good. His wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice, thank offerings, and tell of his works with songs of joy. Their whole lives have been identified with, can I get something more to drink? Can I just try to have my way in this or that? But with this healing process, God changes their vernacular. He changes their language from one who was afflicted and was going to die in that to someone who has been redeemed of the Lord. And what they have the opportunity to do, what we have the opportunity to do, is to share this from that point on. That you have the chance to tell of his works with songs of joy. How cool would it be for us to walk outside in the next few weeks and those folks that we know are, are alcoholics or are struggling with drug abuse, we have seen it, we've talked to them, we've prayed with them because we do that weekly. All of a sudden, they're walking up and down the streets saying, God healed me. God healed me. God healed me. What would happen? In your campus, 
in your home, in your workplace, if God would heal folks, all it takes, the name of Jesus over their life and belief that he can do it. We got to get back to that. Healing and wholeness come by way of confession and profession. Healing and wholeness come by way of confession and profession. What does that mean? Confessing to him, the one in heaven, but then professing to them, the ones around you who have heard and seen the same thing forever. Confess to him. Repent toward him, and he will give you true freedom. And the last is this, and I think this is where we find ourselves most. The storm-tossed. The storm-tossed. Those who find themselves in the storms of life. This doesn't seem too bad, does it? You know, this doesn't seem like something that's like super polarizing. They're like, man, yeah, I can, I can really understand this. But isn't life like one of those things that you'll just be going through it sometimes? And this crazy, crazy storm just comes out of the blue. You weren't prepared for it. It takes you down. You're just doing life. And what we're talking about here are the mariners, okay? These are the ones that descended down to the fishing job that they had, their daily work, those folks that went down to do the normal life that they do every day, but yet the storm came. The storm came. And I think this is so important for us to talk about. They went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord. And this is what we need to hear. His wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest. He spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits' end. You're walking with God, doing the right thing every single day, and then he allows a tempest to come, a storm. But what's so great about this is what these folks learned in the process. And this is what God's trying to teach us today, is that how we respond when things happen. In these deep down times, they wonder, God, why are you allowing this to happen? I can understand if I was stupid. I can understand if I was rebellious. I can see that. I can understand. God, I've done well. I've done good. Look at me. Give. Look how much I serve. Look at how much I love people, God. Why in the world is this happening? Stay tuned. They cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. Again, we hear that again. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. God's challenging us to see him in the midst of the storm. Even when things are great, even when things are wonderful and that storm pops up, he wants us to see that he is the one that can calm it. Like him sleeping in the boat with his buddies when they were fishing his disciples. It's like, come on, do you not care about this? This is nothing to me. The key is that I'm here with you and that I can calm this storm. See, what he's doing here, and we're going to get to this in just a second. 
helping us to give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of elders. Sometimes we don't have anything to say because we've never been there before. And you find yourself as you get older, you've been through more storms. And you've seen God turn your storms into stories. Because what God wants us to do, guys, listen to me. He wants you to see him in the middle of it, see him beside you, so that when you come out of this thing, you can say, let me tell you how God worked in this. You're going to be able to get around people. I don't care if you're 20 or 30. You've been through a lot. 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 does not matter. You've got storms that he turned to stories. And what's so great about this and what he's trying to do with your life is saying, hey, you're 20. You know the storm that you've been through? It was real. It was real. And what, what I'm going to do in this moment is give you a story that so you can go hang out with that person that's 70 and you guys can connect because you know suffering. You know struggle. But you also know the one who was with you. See, God is giving you a story through it all. We call it a testimony, right? That you're able to testify of God's goodness. See, what I often do, guys, is I could camp on all of the stuff that's been bad and ugly. I'm a half-empty sometimes cup guy, right? I'm a half Anybody else with me on that? I see everything. I'm analytical. I can see everything that's going to go wrong with anything. I can tell you all the things, all the possibilities of what's going to happen. We're going to have this. I, I, could, I should have been like a risk analysis guy. That's what I should have done. Wasn't that a long came Polly? Was that, we can't do this. He was a risk analysis. I forget. One of those. Ben Stiller, right? Risk analysis. We can't do this because if that, we do that, then this is going to happen. That's going to happen. That's going to happen. All right, Rich Corlini, I know what we're talking about because we share these things together all the time. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. That's going to happen. They're like, come on, Debbie Downer. We didn't invite you for this. But see, what God is trying to do with your life, worship team, if you guys want to make your way up, is take a storm that you are going through, have been through, and give you the ability to tell a story and to commiserate with your fam moving forward. Because you know what it's also going to help you do? When another storm comes up, and it's really funny, I've watched over the last couple weeks, because literally on vacation, I was like, let's take the world for Christ. Let's go back. The Myers fam's like, let's do this. And it's like, boom, 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 boom. You know, I'm thinking like, you know, I got the Myers five with me, and then Andy's back there just looking cute because that's what she does in the fam, right? We're going back to fight. We're going back to take the hill. We're going back to have a piece of metal thrown into my son's face. We're going back to stuff, to struggle, to situations. And I stepped back. I looked at a book that I'd started to read again about chasing the lion once again and taking courage, Mark Batterson, good stuff. And I said, duh, I made a proclamation. I made a proclamation that we're going to go back and take the hill, that we're going to go back 
and do what, what needs to happen. We're going to go back and do everything that God wants us to do. Nothing's going to stop us except for hitting me where it hurts most in my child. Because I should have protected him. I should have taken care of him. You know what I mean by this? All makes sense. Nope. No. God is good and the redeemed of the Lord will say so. This wasn't for Israel. This 107th Psalm, it was for Morgantown. It was for the foundry. It was for you when you were a baby. It was for you when you were a child and God watched all the hurt and pain that you went through. It was for you when you were stupid and wilding out, Justin Myers, in rebellion. It was for you at the highest point, the most exciting time in your life, to the lowest valley. This was for you so that you could say, the Lord is good. His love endures forever. It will not stop. It will hold. It is a covenantal love that will not change. It will not break. It will not be broken. It is a God kind of love. It is a good love that I don't even halfway know about. His love endures forever. I have been redeemed. I will declare it. I will say so when crap hits the fan. I don't give a crap about the crap hitting the fan because God is good. I've been redeemed and I will say so. Matt talked about a couple years back, just had like something that God showed you of even me with the, the white, you know what I mean, flag running. And it was for here, it's for now. We are raising the banner. I always know when, when it's hitting the fan, that means it's good. It's good. Something good's about to happen. Come on. I am the redeemed of the Lord. You are the redeemed of the Lord and you will say so. You will say so. Your life will say so. Your living, what you do will say so. Your dedication will say so. Your response will say so. Everything you do, not perfect, but it will say so. You're the redeemed of the Lord. Do you know it? Feel it? Even if you don't, it's still truth. Because here's the thing. You may find yourself somewhere along this journey. But what you're going to do if you find yourself wandering, trying to find satisfaction, if you, you find yourself in a prison place, if you find yourself in outright rebellion and you're honest enough with yourself to say it, God bless you. But if you just find yourself a good believer doing the right thing every day and crap keeps hitting you, Know what you're going to do? You're going to cry out to the one who can change it. And then you are going to be the redeemed of the Lord, which means he's going to redeem you through this process. And then your life will speak louder probably than your words will because you are the redeemed of the Lord. So we're going to just say the good. Because bad and ugly is always going to happen. But we're going to say, we're going to focus on the good. Scripture tells us there's only one person that was good, right? Christ. But we're going to focus on him. Something we talked about this week is we're going to make Jesus famous. We're going to make Jesus famous. 
We're going to make him famous. They're not going to say your name. They're going to say his name in you. Because they're going to look in you and see that someone outside of them did something amazing that they could never do. Listen to me, I'm believing. People that walk up and down these streets are going to be the redeemed of the Lord and they're going to say so. I'm believing and I will spend time with them and you will too and you will love them. The, the students that you can't stand, you will run after them. The family that you hate, you will go after them. The boss that you would love to just see disappear into oblivion, you will pray for them and you will love on them because you will act like you are the redeemed of the Lord and your life will say so. If we all do this together, I'm telling y'all, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be nutso. This ain't about me. It's about us. It's about you being the priesthood of believers and doing it. It's going to get ugly. It's going to be bad because that's just life. But he is so good. So good. little each way Aiden could have been blind or he could have bled out a little bit each way but God's good and sometimes it doesn't end up good according to our standards but God's good the reason why is because he's not going to leave you in it he's not going to leave you in it and he will calm the storms to give you a story. He will use your life if you allow him because he loves you so much. So what I want us to do is I want you to cry out to Jesus. I want you to, to, to just say, here I am. Here I am. And he already knows everything, but he still loves you. That's what's amazing. Here I am. I've been wandering, looking for satisfaction. Found myself in prison. And, and I, 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 need, I need healing. I need, I've been rebellious. I, I need you to forgive me and, and, and just bring healing. I've, I've, I've struggled to process. I've been good, I thought, in this storm. And then here, blah, blah. Just cry out to Jesus. This is once a week. Sunday is one day a week. You can't do it here alone. This isn't enough. You need a relationship. So what does that mean? Repent, which means ask for forgiveness. Stop and turn toward him. And then start walking. Because he's good. He's good. So what we do is we, we have folks that will come up here and stand if you would like them to pray with you. But my greatest goal is if you are in a connect group or small group already through Chi Alpha or up at, at Wu, you have a group of folks that you, you, you do life with or at the Foundry as well. I, I want you to go to them. 
too, because that, that act of confession and profession will help break the chains of the enemy in your life. Take a moment before you go today, cry out to Jesus together. If you would like us to pray with you, we will be up here as well. Also, folks that are, that are Foundry fam that are up there in the balcony, pray with folks. Charles is right there on the corner. He'll pray with you if you need anything uh, at all, okay? Take a moment. See the goodness of God. Because bad and ugly is a constant. But his goodness is everlasting. And it endures forever. So let's say so. Let's live so. Let's believe so. Let's be whole, healthy, and complete in him. Alrighty.